Founded by Logan Esterling, Reed Design is pushing the boundaries of oboe and English horn reed making. They take the knowledge they've collected from hundreds of reeds and, with the power of machine learning, derive patterns and trends that accurately predict the characteristics of finished reeds while early in the sorting process. The result is quality reeds with characteristics you can count on. Using their products will save you valuable time and let you get back to what you love, making music. Visit www.readdesign.io to learn more. That's R-E-E-D-E-S-I-G-N dot I-O. Chemical City Double Reads is a full-service double read shop specializing in the sale of instruments, cane, accessories, and sheet music. Double Read Dish listeners can enjoy free shipping with code DRDISH, all caps, no spaces. Visit them in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or online at chemicalcityreads.com. Hi, I'm Galit Kaunitz. And I'm Jackie Wilson. And you're listening to Double Read Dish, a podcast for oboists, bassoonists, and the people who love them. face and your mosquito bites look at all those bites so it must mean i'm at camp (laughs) (laughs) which is also um dear listeners the background noise and there's really nothing i can do about that i'll try to remove what i can in post but you're gonna hear some maybe chit chatter some i guess this is like violin do they warm up the bow i don't know what long tones So we push record, but before we push record, we were just kind of sharing stories of being stressed out, which is not (laughs) typically what should be happening in the summer. This is not summer vibe. Um, I am at Lutheran Summer Music, the summer music academy that I teach at during the summer. And... It's fabulous. I love being here. I'm getting to teach in person. I'm getting to play. Yesterday, I went to a first like live concert. I hadn't heard live music in, what, 15 months. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you have this experience or if our listeners have this experience, but at the start of every semester, or in this case, camp, like the first two days are just bonkers mm-hmm. and really stressful. You convince yourself that nothing has ever been this stressful, but it does settle down. You do find a routine. So that's kind of where I am. I'm in the trying to convince myself that things will slow down here in a second. And I'm coordinating um, because we have an in-person camp, but we also have a virtual camp that's going on at the same time. And I have been given the responsibility to coordinate that, which means having to figure out how to align the schedules with the teachers who are here with the people at home who have their own schedules and as is normal things come up and have to change and you know me galit my working style is i'm gonna plan things are gonna go according to the plan and then i'm gonna cross it off my list organization is your love language so anyway i'm really looking forward to things slowing down and all the I's being dotted and T's being crossed or whatever the (laughs) thing is. But today we are going to talk about our travel. So 
I did have to travel across the country to get here and you just traveled across the countries. We went in other directions from each other. Yeah, you were vertical and I was horizontal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Also known as north and south and east <laughs> and west. We went up down. <laughs> yeah, Becky and I went to visit our families who our parents now live around three and a half hours from each other. That's nice. Yeah, it was really nice, but also very crazy. Mm -hmm. It was like just a lot of driving, but it was awesome to see everybody. You know, I got to see my parents and my brothers and their partners and my niece and nephew and actually spend time with them. And it was fantastic. It was fantastic, but it was chaos. So we did end up leaving like a, a day or two early. <laughs> Ruby kept escaping. You were. Oh my God. She escaped three times. We got her back every time. She escaped at a Panera parking lot in Finley, Ohio. Oh. She ran around the Chick fil A parking lot there for a while. It was like this big strip mall along a major street. <laughs> and she's just running, full out running. I would have a nervous breakdown. It especially was especially in my current state. <laughs> And then she escaped again while we were not there. My parents were watching her and she escaped again. And my mother had to chase after her for 15 minutes barefoot. Oh, stopping cars. Excuse me. There's a dog loose. I need you to slow down. <laughs> That's amazing. She only cut. This is so Ruby. This woman <laughs> was playing with her little son on their porch in a kiddie pool. And Ruby was like, I'm hot and just jumped in the kiddie pool that's, that's how she got her back because ruby was like i need to swim yeah i love it <laughs> well we drove from washington to indiana wow yes blink blink <laughs> and we did the first day Pullman, Washington to Rapid City, South Dakota, which is Ooh. took us about 15 hours. Ooh. But we did that because of when we had to leave, we would have been driving on our anniversary, which sounded like not the funnest way to spend an anniversary. <laughs> What's that number? 15. Ooh. 15 years. Amazing. And so we thought, okay, if we drove and then stayed somewhere and had a fun kind of day, and then we could continue the trip. And there's not a ton in, with love to Eastern Wyoming <laughs> and Eastern Montana, you're fabulous. Love you. Um, there wasn't a ton <laughs> to like, do there and so we thought <laughs> rapid city let's add on a couple hours and and find our way there <laughs> with love with love eastern with montana. love to eastern montana <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we spent the day in rapid city we saw the black hills which were beautiful we bought some fabulous prints by mm. um this lakota artist mm. that um i'll have to show you sometime they're beautiful um ate some amazing indian food oh my gosh okay. fantastic and um then we continued on our trip drove to iowa city had dinner with benjamin quelio oh. my teacher and his wife karen that was fantastic and then yeah we are here but it was four days total in route that's too many days yesterday i had to get in the passenger side of the car for something and i was like no like <laughs> Not again. Not so soon. Chris is like, we're just going to Walmart. 
Yeah, for real. <laughs> like, I can't do it anymore. No more car. <laughs> oh, well, I hope things calm down for you pretty soon. I'm sure they will. I'm sure on the next dish, I will just be a delightful Debbie and <laughs> beaming rays of sunshine. No, I actually am. For the record, I feel bad. I've been all like, me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I actually am having the time of my life and I'm super excited. I get to perform in front of an audience tomorrow evening for the first time. Amazing. uh, Since February of 2020. So, yeah. You'll have to let us know how you felt. Yes. Maybe um, we can next episode do like a call for feelings of performing again. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds like a great topic. Sorry we didn't give you a great topic today, but (laughs) tune in next time. Barton Cane offers a huge variety of GSP cane. Leave the cane processing to them. Use coupon code DoubleReadDishRocksMyWorld for free shipping on your next Barton Cane order. www.bartoncane.com Specializing in the finest assortment of oboes, clarinets, bassoons, and their accessories, RDG Woodwinds serves musicians around the world. Their employees are all professional musicians who have a deep knowledge of the products that they sell. RDG's repair shop has an international reputation with a combined 100 plus years of service among the five repair technicians. Plain and simple, RDG provides excellent products and fabulous customer service. Visit them at rdgwoodwinds.com. They look forward to working with you. Welcome to the podcast, Fabio Curi, professor of bassoon at the University of Sao Paulo. We're so excited to talk to you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jack and Gallet. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and I am very grateful to this invitation and this opportunity. Would you start by telling us how you began playing the bassoon? Well, it was very accidental. It was very casual. I, I was a kid and my parents, they, they wanted me to, to learn music, me and my, 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 brother, my brother and my sister. And then I, I started my, my musical education when I was seven years old. And then I joined uh, a children's orchestra in the, the music school in my hometown, Jundiaí, close to Sao Paulo. And there I played recorder. And um, my colleagues at that time also played piano and guitar. So instruments that originally don't join the, the real orchestra, the, the symphony orchestra. But, but over time, then my colleagues, they, my colleagues, they, they started choosing other instruments. And at a certain point, uh, bassoon and horn were missing to complete the classic orchestra. So I was moved, motivated by the desire to be exotic and play a singular instrument. And so I ended up choosing the, the bassoon 
and I, I bought a terrible bassoon. My first bassoon was a Linton uh, uh, plastic instrument without any keys or just with the basic ones. <laughs> and uh, therefore, I always, I, I always say that I, 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 I chose the bassoon because I didn't know what bassoon uh, was and if I if I knew I, I I would have chosen the bassoon. It's I always I'm I'm always telling the same history and my my children they they were always mocking me because I am very repetitive, very redundant. <laughs> and but anyway I am not creating I am not creating new narratives when I am talking. So I am I am kind of obliged to repeat the same story. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And so could you talk us through getting serious about the bassoon and deciding that you wanted to pursue it professionally and where your education went from there? Yes, well, um, as I said, when the the bassoon came to me, then I opened the, the case and uh, it was a surprise, and then I, I, I have to to look for a professor, for a teacher, and I have the, the I was lucky that my first professor, my first teacher, is it was also my professor at the university afterwards. So, um, if I have someone to blame about for this decision, I, I for, fortunately I have someone to blame for that. It was my first professor, my first teacher, Paulo Justi, and uh, he was very generous with to me at that time. I was a uh, 11 years old kid, and I was not able to travel alone uh, to have classes. So Paulo himself traveled by bus from Campinas to Jundiaí. Wow! It's, uh, it's one hour. Uh, travel I think that's amazing he was traveling every himself by bus every week to teach me so I I owe him uh, very much he he passed away um, perhaps six or seven years ago it was very sad but uh, he was the person that encouraged me to to pursue bassoon professionally professionally not uh, um, encouraged not by by insisting that I should pursue this career, but by the example. He was very intelligent and uh, had a um, very acid sense of humor, and it was a very sharp person. And uh, when he he talked, when he told me about. Uh, uh, his uh, trajectory and as his career, then I was very motivated with with this idea to have the the possibility to know other countries and to study abroad. And he himself studied uh, with Professor Tunemann in Germany, and so I I was uh, boosted by by this idea that oh perhaps I. I will achieve this 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 um, this goal also to to have this kind of of life. So talk us through your journey then to Germany to study with Klaus Tunemann. 
Well, well, I, I have this uh, bachelor degree from the University of Campinas, where I was under the guidance of Paulo Just again, and uh, then Paulo uh, traveled to Germany, and, and uh, I recorded a cassette tape. Oh my God! At that time, yeah. <laughs> we'll put a definition in the show notes of what a cassette tape is. <laughs> yeah, a, a footnote. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then um, Tuneman listened to the tape and, and approved me. I, I was young at that time, 16 or 17 years wow. old. And then I requested the DAAD scholarship. DAAD is the German service of academic, academic uh, exchange. Uh, it's a program of exchange. And then I... I joined the, the college in Campinas, and at, this, at the same time, I, I began to play as a professional bassoonist at the, the Campinas Symphony Orchestra, playing with Paulo Justi at the orchestra. And uh, in, in the course of my course in, 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 in the college, then when I was in the third year, I think, then I, I, I was approved by... By, I was awarded a scholarship by, by DAAD, and then I, I decided at that time and, and required that uh, to DAAD to wait uh, an additional year, because then I would have concluded my, my bachelor, and, and so it was that way. <laughs> I just wonder what that experience was like to move so far away, to move internationally to something culturally different. Uh, I'd love to hear about that experience personally. And also if you found the instruction was different, I'd just love to hear about that experience for you. Yes, it's so that I, I can mention that when I was living in Germany, my my parents came to visit me and then my parents they were also very excited to to meet my my professor there because i'm always talking about him and it was uh Tudeman was such an an iconical iconic iconic sorry <laughs> iconic, <laughs> uh, bassoonist uh, in this in this in his generation and so uh, when my 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 parents came with me to the to the Hochschule, and then they they came into the class and they 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 greeted uh, Tuneman, and my mother said Tuneman in French that it was it was always the dream of my my son's my son's dream to study with you here in Germany, and uh, and 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 she she said exactly since the beginning of his. Uh, bassoon studies. He is aiming to study. He's dreaming about uh, study with you. And Tuneman answered that. Oh, the beginning of his studies are 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 here. Are being here in this oh! precise moment. <laughs> and then, if I if I had at that time more sense of humor then I, 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 I should have asked it. So then you are accepting beginners now. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 
<laughs> but but I, I I didn't have this present, the, the present of the spirit. At uh, that time, I, I was a bit shy and a, a, a bit intimidated by 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 him. And I, I think it's it was a remarkable experience for me. And the it was a f- perfect fulfillment of all my dreams, as my mother uh, expressed. But on the other hand, it was also uh, difficult because Tuneman also, although he was a, a fantastic professor and fantastic performer, also treated me as a, a ignorant student. Oh, no. Uh, of the third word, yeah. No. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes he was, sometimes he was very, very a very uh, pleasant person. But sometimes he also he was marked by perhaps by his generation and right. by the habit that oh he was a very strict professor, old-fashioned professor. But okay, sometimes he he was very critical about my my playing, and sometimes he he also was very kind and say that he was very demanding uh, with me because I I was highly talented and have a great potential, and so the we were in this uh, a whole roller. Uh, roller coaster yeah it's mm-hmm. always the is this the is this the the right <laughs> word? absolutely so yeah. yeah yeah and but it was a decisive experience in my career and uh, I, I i think i was when i i was studying uh, with paulo justi which was a former student by him then Paulo was uh, was very creative and 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 had very musically in, in interesting uh, ideas, mm-hmm. uh, but was in the technical as, aspects he was uh, a bit negligent. I, I I should have I should admit that I should mm-hmm. confess it, and and so that the critics that I, I received by Tuneman at that time. Uh, was that I I should have more discipline in my mm. study and to to work more precisely on on intonation on vibrato or on mm-hmm. on rhythmic precision and things like that and uh, I think I, I I am very I I, I am a very disciplined uh, perhaps workaholic person. I, I, I don't think I deserved a very strict professor because anyway, I, I, I would have worked a lot and very hard. Mm-hmm. And this aspect, this, this side of uh, Tuneman personality, yeah, this made me perhaps uh, unnecessarily a bit insecure in my time mm-hmm. there. But at the end, there was a very fertile and, um, experience. And at the end of my studies there, I was awarded of, there, there was a competition in the Hochschule and I was awarded of, of the first prize. And considering that it, it, it's a very 
that there is a very high level in, in the class there. I, I felt very proud <laughs> at the end of my studies there for this, for this reason. Yeah. This really speaks to the sometimes heartbreaking and disappointing realization that your teacher, your teachers are human beings and they're not perfect. And we put them on this pedestal and. Yes, of course. Yeah. It doesn't mean, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm being very honest with you and being sincere with my experience and it's so that it doesn't mean that I am not very extremely grateful to Tuneman right. and to the opportunity that was bestowed uh, to, right. to me at that time. But uh, uh, I'm recognizing these this aspects also uh, and the side aspects. And, and I'm with uh, over time, I'm always we are rereading these mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. And so this statement, this this testimony that I'm that I I have now, this witnessing, it's it's perhaps different. If you had if you have interviewed me, if if you had interviewed me many years ago, then my my reading of this experience would would have been different yeah I, I think yeah that's so true um, yeah. and I think that's a that's a universal experience that we have because um, the relationship between the teacher and the student is such a, a sacred one and a deep one uh, and so influential and so I wonder how this experience influences your pedagogy how do you approach your role as a teacher and mentor having these two very different teachers in your life and two very different experiences as a student? I think that as, as a teacher and as a performer, uh, uh, at, in the beginning of our activities, we are trying to imi- imitate, to em- emulate the methods and the knowledge, the, the teachings of our professors uh, but at the end uh, we we are trying to to build a personal style as teacher and as performer and so of course I am repeating many models that I I, I learned in, learned in Germany and especially the technical things the way to to practice the, the scales, the tonalities, the, um, the routine of studies and the kind of sound, uh, the kind of timbre and articulation. And... But on, on the other hand, I am also trying to adapt uh, another pedagogic, pedagogical uh, tools yeah I, I think yeah and and I, I think more more than in the technical things that I, I am very similar I am I am transmitting uh, a very similar education to my students but on musical matters then I think that I perhaps I I, I found afterwards my my own style mm-hmm. and 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 this is because also that the, the um, uh, taste, the musical taste, and 
the style of performance, uh, even if uh, in an undetectable, in an unperceivable way, uh, that changed. Yeah, this all changed. And so if I, I am always repeating that to my, to my students that once I am not copying, I'm not trying to copy my, my teachers, uh, Paulo Justi or Tuneman or anywhere else, I am always instructing them not to copy me and to develop a personal style and uh, has a personal way to reflect. Yeah, it's and to referring to their own research and to, to pursuing new knowledge and making a mixture with the knowledge that I I propose and the knowledge then they acquire with other um, uh, more um, tra transient, more uh, more eventual professors that they 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 have in in, in their uh, education process. Yeah, and that's really difficult to do to find the balance between um, finding your own voice and also being rhythmically precise and playing in tune <laughs> and <laughs> doing all of the things that we are supposed to be doing, but also putting our own spin on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think one thing will exclude the, the other thing. Right. I can be precise and, and, and be in tune. And, and, <laughs> and besides that, it's, it's a it's a difficult task. We we don't deny that it's it's very hard. It's it's hard to be to be a bassoonist. And I, I always say my students that not not uh, all the bassoonists, all the students are prepared to waste their lives with bassoon. I sometimes I think I, I had I, I I it's a joke of course, uh, but has it, it has a true. Uh, background, you know, of the true essence. Yeah, that uh, I, I, I sometimes I, I, I have this impression, this feeling that I, I somehow I, I wasted my life playing the bassoon because I, I like to to practice and I, I have this um, this saying that no, it's it's there is a version of this in every language. Uh, no pain, no gain. Yeah. This is the basis, <laughs> this is the, the basis of my philosophy. And so I, there is no miracle. So that if, if you have to, if you want to achieve a, a level of excellence, then you, you have to spend many hours. And when you, when you get old and you, you begin to, evaluate your experience your life then perhaps you can play well wow um, at the time i was studying and practicing there was there was people was drinking beer on pubs and traveling and dating and there was was doing that was i was alone with my bassoon locked in a room for the whole the entire day but at the end, I fortunately I was able to realize that I, I did that because 
It's the, the thing I, I, I like to do. I was read, ready to, to waste my, my life with Batsuma, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I consider, I, I respect the motivation uh, and the goals that, the different goals that every student has. And some, some of them, they, they want to be a virtuoso and have a, an international career and play in the best orchestras in the world. They, they have this ambition and some others are glad to play in, in their hometown or play in the church. Could you talk us through embarking on your professional journey and how you got to where you are today? Yes, when I decided, when I made this decision to pursue, pursue music professionally, then I, it was when I, I had to choose my career, when I had to choose my college career, my college course, which course I would attend. And my parents, they insisted very much on me not to choose the music career. They, they believed it at that moment that uh, musicians were very poorly paid and that was a not a prestigious career and i was so sure about that i was so passionate about the bassoon and about music that for me at that time there there were there was no other option i uh, and i think that we need this particular. We need this particular motivation to to pursue this this career. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I I when I started my course at the college at the university, then I I I immediately joined the orchestra in Campinas. And then right after the course, I I I was awarded a scholarship by the AAD, and then I spent two years and a half there in, in Germany. And then back to Brazil, I had plans to, to continue on my academic career. I always intended to be a professor at the university. And I, I, I immediately, back to Brazil, I immediately started my, my master's degree at Campinas University. And then... Uh, I, I intended also to have a, a graduation in abroad, perhaps in the U.S. I, I had these discussions with my former wife at that time, and uh, she didn't want to travel, and she 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 was a bassoonist too, and mm. I, I I talk in the past because she passed away many years ago, like uh, fifteen years ago. And I'm so sorry. Uh, no problem. <laughs> yeah, it was sad, but yeah, many many years ago, and um, she didn't want to go abroad again. And she 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 had a job, and uh, at that time, things in Brazil we have a a, a remarkable uh, growth uh, in in the economy in Brazil, and uh, orchestras in Brazil began to be well-paid and attract, attract foreign people and uh, began to achieve uh, international level. 
And uh, I was focused at that time to, to have uh, an experience in, in, in abroad again. And, but uh, it, uh, some opportunities came up, a uh, position in the Opera House in, in 1996. Uh, and I, I made the audition and got the, the job. And then one year late, then they, they, what they were uh, restructuring the the orchestra, the Sao Paulo State Orchestra, Sym Sym Symphonic Orchestra, and with a very interesting uh, proposal. And then I, I, I was approved in the audition again, and then I played there for four or five years. And then I, I, I got involved with politics and I ended up being the president of musicians association there wow and we have a very fragile and illegal i would say contract with the orchestra and in in a moment of more um, warm discussions and confrontation then the the con the conductor there the, the, the artistic director uh, he fired us I mean, all the members of the musicians committee. And then I, I, I have also the, uh, uh, I was lucky to go back to the opera house and, and stayed there from the beginning of the, the 2000 decade until my my retirement of the orchestra's <laughs> activities in 2017. And then also I, I begin teaching at the university in, in 2000 uh, with my master's degree. And then I, I continued and received my, my doctorate degree in 2011. There's a plane here. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> That's okay. You'll, you'll hear my dogs eventually. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And <laughs> more recently, last year, I, I also received this title of associate professor so and in in the meantime also when i decided to dedicate myself to to the university then i i also uh, was appointed as director of the orchestra of the university mm. at the university of sao paulo we have a professional orchestra there and i am i am not conducting but i am uh kind of uh, executive executive and artistic director uh, at the same time. And this position is very challenging. Uh, on the other hand, is uh, occupying. It's taking a lot of my time. So I, <laughs> I, I have to concentrate and, and use my experience now to be, to, to have a very focused and concentrated a concentrated um, practice at this time. I love the multidimensionality of that, how you were so flexible and you went from one playing job to another playing job, back to the first playing job, and then continued yeah. your studies and then teaching and now directing. And it's, it's so exciting. And I think uh, at least in the United States, we have... Um, suffered from a very limited um, idea of success 
And so I would love to hear your perspectives on expanding, you know, your skill sets and what, what you feel is, is useful in a career like this. Uh, when I was playing in, in the orchestra, I was always, I, I always felt as if I was a proletarium, is, is this the word in, in English, mm-hmm. is as if I, I didn't have a voice as musician. Mm-hmm. And even if I was the most refined and the most sophisticated musician in the orchestra, even though the, it, it didn't matter what I, I thought at that time, not only me, I mean, in general, all the musicians in the orchestra. And uh, I think that I, I over time, I, I, I'm always more convinced that this, this perspective of uh, invisible and transparent performance that emerged in the Romanticism with the, this idea and the, the, the lack of autonomy, uh, the musical lack of autonomy that led us to this situation because we are very, we are very centered in the... Uh, fidelity to the composer's intentions and to the text and the, the as we say in German, the Werktreue. With this per- perspective, we are not assuming uh, responsibilities uh, that we should as, as interpreters, as, per- as performers. And uh, I think this... Um, this led us to this situation where, and especially perhaps in Brazil, perhaps more in Brazil than more as accentuated in Brazil than in the US, then we, we have a situation in the orchestra where we have a lot of authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. And my, my experience, my, my, my own uh, experience reflect that uh, when we think that as a, as a president of the Mus- Mus- Musicians Association, uh, the, as the president of the head of uh, orchestra committee, I was I was fired. This is uh, a surreal thing. I think it was we is an an accept an acceptable thing. So uh, as as I said, I am glad to uh, that I quit the orchestra activity and to be a. Uh, uh, director of another orchestra bestows me the opportunity to 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 have an, an a different action so i'm being very democratic with the musicians and i i am i, I am constituting a lot of committees artistic committee to to choose the the repertory mm. and to to discuss administrative things, career, and that's not easy also. And uh, the musicians, sometimes they don't, in, they prefer not to participate on this matter. They, they, are, they prefer to be, to, to, to be very centered on the musical work and don't take the responsibility. But I, uh, I think in the future of the orchestra and in the future of our activities, that uh, would be fundamental uh, that the musicians themselves, they, they, they have to take more 
responsibilities and participate more. And if they, at least here in Brazil, in our reality, if they they are waiting that the, the managers, the, the gestors, the directors and or the politicians they would conceive the they they would uh, bestow they are giving them this space this is not going to to happen right this this is a kind of uh, struggle we have to be persistent but it's the is the is is the way i i, I see this thing things in on the other hand i would say that uh, i i am now 51 years old and i i am now wondering how many time i can have a an, a very active career and i i would sh- surely uh, state that i i'm i like more to be a performer to to be a musician than to be a manager and <laughs> nevertheless i consider this as an, an important experience but there is many things i i i still uh, would like to accomplish in my bassoonist career and i i was playing the historical instruments and um, also a, a, an ensemble for contemporary music and i would like to improvise more to have an experience i i cannot improvise but i and 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 also there is many pieces in the rep- in the repertoire that I, I i would play and i uh if i am honest with you i i i, I don't know I, I i i'm trying to keep me fit in the physical sense to to hold to hold on to to uh, to bear this because it's difficult to play. I don't know when I'm 60 years old, what kind of disposition or mm. my how how will be my embouchure, my my strength, uh, and so I'm over time. I, I I have this feeling that now I am oh time is going by and I. I, I'm not playing as much as, as I, I would like in this, perhaps. I, I sometimes imagine this, this, this decade from 50 to 60, perhaps is the last, last very productive decade. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I am wrong. Perhaps I, uh, it's a, a mistake to, to think like that. But that teases me a lot, you know, mm-hmm. that, oh, I, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> Uh, one thing that you have been active in throughout your career is promoting music by Brazilian composers. And um, I wonder if you could talk to us about that, why that is important to you, and maybe um, recommend some works for people to check out uh, Beyond Villalobos and Mione, <laughs> who we know, obviously, but uh, I studied with a Brazilian. We had many Brazilian students in our studio. And so I'm just aware of the tip of the iceberg of how rich, especially for bassoon, Brazilian compositions are. So I'd love to hear you talk about that. Yes, with pleasure. Uh, all major Brazilian composers wrote for bassoon. Villa Lobos wrote, Villa Lobos wrote a lot of chamber music besides the, the Ciranda da Sete Notas. 
and also Mignon is already very very uh, well known in the international uh, circle. Besides that, uh, the subject of my my doctor degree dissertation is one piece by by Camargo Guarnieri, which is a major Brazilian composer. It's the last piece he wrote in his life. Is the Choro, Choro for bassoon and chamber orchestra. And this uh, this piece is a very interesting piece. I I, I have a record of this in my uh, album, uh, Brazilian Works for Bassoon. And uh, the title is uh, Old and New Cirandas, Brazilian Music uh, for Bassoon, for Bassoon as Soloist, uh, Solo Bassoon. And this is a, it's, it's in, in comparison with Villa Lobos, it's a, it's a more cerebral piece, more intellectual. And it's a national piece, is is reusing uh, pop music, uh, uh, Brazilian pop and folks music in as inspiration, mm-hmm. but has a development, a structure. This is more uh, formal than the Ciranda. It's it's a difficult piece. Piece. If you if you listen to the piece, it doesn't it, it doesn't sound very difficult. But when you start practicing it, then you realize it's more difficult than you previously uh, imagined. I am very familiar with music like that. (laughs) (laughs) On the oboe, everything's like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, perhaps then oboists are very pretentious, more more pretentious than than bassoonists. You're not going to get any argument from me. <laughs> We're very aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I also recorded another more recent album uh, dedicated to Claudio Santoro's piece. And there is uh, Fantasia, Fantasia Sul America is the title. It's a solo piece. And also I recorded two pieces which are original for cello. And one of them is the... Um, introduction and dance and the other one is well is encantamento which is enchantment in english mm. yeah so this these two pieces are they they are going to a very high register because they are original to cello but mm. anyway i i i did some not major uh, change to adapt to the to the bassoon and our pieces that I like very much. And there is, besides that, an, an original duo by Claudio Santoro from 1982, which is like, a, Santoro has a, a, a style like perhaps Shostakovich or, or Hindemith. Yeah. But anyway, it's different. It's a kind of, yeah, for, for those who are not acquainted with with his style, so it's just to to have a a, a short and uh, very superficial description of what kind of work is that. And also, I, I have some pieces which are were dedicated to me, uh, a, a concert by Andre Memari, and coincidentally, I am working on a 
a piece, uh, a cello piece by him, a suite with Brazilian dance. Then I, I, which are is, is scheduled for the virtual symposium uh, of uh, Idea S. So yeah, cool. Yeah, coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and also a, a, a piece by by an, uh, Antonio Ribeiro, a concertino for bassoon and, and chamber orchestra, which I also recorded in the same album uh, with Villa Lobos and Camaro Guarnieri. Um, there are other pieces by, for instance, uh, a Brazilian composer, a live composer, a young composer, which is uh, Mateus Bitondi. This is uh, which I, which is available on on YouTube, and there's a very interesting modern piece by um, Rodrigo Lima, which is it's entitled. Uh, it has the title "Paisagem Brasileira." It's Brazilian landscape. And well, and concerts by Liduino Pitombeira and um, uh, Ernest Widmer, which is a, a, a Swiss composer which was radicated in Salvador in northeastern Brazil. Well, many things. Jose Siqueira, which has Jose Siqueira has also two, two concertos for concerts for bassoon and orchestra, besides the this uh, modinha, these three three studies, mm-hmm. yeah, which has modinha in the middle, uh, a, a piece which is is already well known. Yeah, I, it was in one of these competitions lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many many pieces. The Brazilian repertoire is very rich and it's more generous. It uh, Brazilian composers were more generous with the bassoon as the uh, more than the, the average, uh, I would say. Mm-hmm. Would you share with us a favorite memory from a past performance? Well, in the, in the last years, I have been many times to China. I went for the first time in 2012 and presented there in this very important bassoon festival there in, in Peking. And after that, then I was invited to go every year. Then in 2013, I was, uh, I visit the Shanghai Conservatory and then Chengdu. And then I came back to Peking and uh, then I, I, I was in Shenyang, in Harbin, in Changchun. And like six six times, and it's it's very interesting. And at the last time I was there was in in in, in 2018. Uh, a colleague, Shi Li, who plays also in the in the tube, the, the Universal Bassoon uh, Ensemble, which is, in, is sponsored by Pushner. Uh, Shi Li is a Chinese bassoonist who live lives in, in, in Austria and he is the head of this ensemble and makes a lot of arrangements and he 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 wrote a special a special arrangement for me to play with the at the 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 last with the closure concert uh, of this festival and it was uh, an arrangement of of um, Pasquale 
Leap. For, oh no. For that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually it's uh, he he made an arrangement for bassoon and orchestra, but the bassoon part is it's the same part. Uh, it's it's just the the, the oboe part in an octave. And oh, okay. I I I, I no tried. No problem then. <laughs> I tried very, very hard to play uh, in the same uh, end up in the same tempo as the oboists, but but uh, it's 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 more difficult at the bassoon. But anyway, the concert was recorded and people can check it on YouTube and to check uh, to use Fabio Curi and Leapi, and so it's yeah. it was very challenging and I. I spent I spent I spent several months practicing the piece, but was yeah, it's it's fine. After that, <laughs> I was I was very relieved. I can <laughs> I can say. And also in in 2019, I was in in two twice in the U.S. and at the first time I. I was in in southern U.S. in Georgia, in in North Carolina and so, southern and South Carolina, and playing and giving masterclass. And then a couple months after that, I was I have been to this uh, Pop Clickman Popkin bassoon camp as mm-hmm. as professor. And so it was a, a wonderful experience. I, I liked very much to be there and to, to, to have the opportunity to present a recital there. Um, well, it's my, my last memories, yeah, my, my last good memories, my most, my most recent uh, performance <laughs> memories. Also, I liked very much to be in Latin America and in last times I, I have been to Argentina and Uruguay and I, I like it so much. Sometimes I think then after retiring, I, I will live in Argentina so much. I like the country and <laughs> and, and also the wine, especially the wine. <laughs> And also, yeah, and the people there, I, I, I should say. There, uh, sometime, sometimes there is a kind of, um, how to say, rivality is the term, is the, the word. Rivalry. Rivalry, yeah, yeah, exactly. Between Brazilians and Argentinians, oh, no. yeah. Especially <laughs> when it comes to, to soccer, uh-huh. But it's not my it's not my case. I I also uh, support the Argentinian when and Brazil is not uh, playing against. Then I am supporting <laughs> I'm the the Argentinian uh, yeah team and uh, also the people in Argentina. The, my colleagues there. Yeah, I would like to go back and also to us and <laughs> i liked i liked very much to travel and i am i, I have a very um, notable disappointment with this pandemic now and i'm very sorry um, not to be able to to travel and to to be with the bassoonists uh, 
all over the the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny you mentioned the rivalry because as you were speaking so kindly about Argentina and Argentinians, I was thinking, oh, that's not what I remember my Brazilian studio mates saying. <laughs> so that makes sense now. Um, okay, we always love to close with this question. What advice do you have for a young musician who aspires to have a career like yours? Yeah, as I, I as I said in, in the beginning, that my my saying, my my favorite saying is no pain, no gain. So uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm, I'm not so talented, and therefore I have to to struggle so much and practice so much to achieve the the level uh, I have now, and um, I have to make clear that I'm I'm not I'm not pleased by that. I'm not satisfied. I <laughs> I, I intended to be better always, and but I'm I had many efforts to achieve that, and it's it's for me something. Sometimes it's weird because I think the there is not seen when I when I talk and when I confess then I, I have to practice a lot to play uh, as I play this is not a, a, a thing that some musicians think they they have to say on um, some some professors they are glad to say that oh I am playing that way and I I'm not I'm not practicing anymore as I practice uh, with two hours a day I can keep my technique I can play this way Perhaps is something that's very. I, I am, I am uh, looking for the term for the word, like uh, bragging or boasting. Boasting, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that is a, a kind of tendency that some professor they are boasting that oh I can play very well, I can play this way, I can be a virtuoso, and I I don't need many hours of practicing, yeah. Yeah, perhaps I'm, I'm not so talented and I I need this. So uh, I think feeling, if you are uh, following this, pursuing this bizarre, this bizarre goal to play like I play. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I, I would say that's better to play better than I play. It would be a more appropriate a more appropriate uh, goal, yeah. But uh, I, I think it's no. There is no secret. Uh, secret. Uh, it's not confidential. It's you have to spend many, many hours for many, many years. It's so. If I was more gifted, perhaps I, I, I wouldn't need so much. Yeah, so much work. <laughs> it really speaks to your adventurous spirit in pursuing new pieces and uh, new opportunities and allowing yourself to grow. I think that's really inspiring. Yeah, perhaps you defined that very well, better, better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fabio Curi, thank you so, so much for joining us on Double Read Dish. This was such a wonderful conversation and we really are so grateful that you are willing to be so generous with your time. Yeah, thank you. And I am looking forward to uh, uh, for a peer-to-peer -peer 
meeting in the future. Yes, please. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed that fabulous episode with the wonderful Fabio Curi. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. If you haven't joined our consortium yet, get on over to doublereaddish.com slash consortium and do that and rate and review on iTunes. It does make a difference. Galit, who is coming up on the next uh, episode here? Next episode, we talk to the lovely, the wonderful, the vivacious Ruby Ashley, professor of oboe at the Royal Irish Academy of Music. Jackie, what's on this nerd parade? Go make reads. <laughs>